Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Troy Noons is an Absolute Podcast. With me as always, Christian DeGuzman. We also decided to bring the boss on the show this week because Pregler was out. So, uh, you know, uh, un- unlike some people's employers, ours uh, ours pretty cool. So we decided to bring him on the show. Uh, welcome back as always, Kevin Wall. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Kevin's here to make sure we don't say any outlandish crap about Syracuse right now. <laughs> well, he's going to have an uphill battle then. <laughs> outlandish. You guys? Yeah, yeah. have you listened to the show, Christian? <laughs> you make fair points. Do you know what before today, before a couple of days ago, would have seen as an outlandish comment? Syracuse being the 14th largest college football fan base in the entirety of Division One. Yeah, that's a thing, and I don't think anybody had any gauge on that, or that I'd assume, you know, just yeah. just off off the cuff. I'm assuming the poll numbers are skewed somehow, but at the same time, whatever that sample size was, whatever that end that they used was, 14th out of all the people that were sampled for this. So, yeah. I mean, that's impressive and shows a couple of things, I think. And a large part of the, like, I looked a bit into, like, the data set of what uh, the the study was used for. It's done by Tony Altimore on, on Twitter. Uh, he took survey polls from the New York Times and New York Times in 538, and they were largely from the 2010s. And so Syracuse, as a football program, not very good in the 2010s. No. So, <laughs> so and yes, while it is a New York Times-based and 538 based and with in partnership with the New York Times the study that still doesn't account for the fact that Syracuse hasn't been very historically football good. Well, Riley Dixon factor. Right. Yeah, yes, yeah. <laughs> when all else fails, it's always the Riley Dixon factor. 
It's because punters are just, you know, what makes Twitter run on uh, during football weekends. I mean, he was just I'm, the most electric player in that yeah. era, right? I mean, so. I mean, Steve, you saw Buffalo Twitter explode when Matt Ariza hit that punt in preseason, so it's, yeah, it makes sense. Well, you know, the punt god will punt god, and I'd say Riley Dixon is our punt god. Yeah, he is. So either way, you know, I I don't think anyone anticipated those numbers coming out, but that also. I, I guess that kind of segues into something we've been uh, mulling around for a bit of if Syracuse is the 14th largest fan base, why isn't there more engagement two weeks out of the season? Because if you look on most social media accounts, and we were talking about this in our pre-show, most most sporting accounts at least give a countdown to like, hey, this is how long we have until opening day. Yay. Let's get excited. The season's about to start. <laughs> and for, Syrac- for most of the Syracuse engagement on social media, it's just been practice footage and scrimmage footage. And it kind of sneaks up on everyone until you realize we're two weeks away from opening day. I'm not sure how many people actually realize that. And so for most of us who are, at least for the three of us here, who are pretty engaged in Syracuse football, the fact that that comes very suddenly shows you just how good that the engagement has been on social media so far. Yeah, that's two weeks from a conference game. Yeah. And a conference game against an opponent that Syracuse has struggled with, and a conference game against an opponent with a, a quarterback who is pretty fun to watch. Um, terrifying, terrifying for defensive coordinators to think about, but Malik Cunningham is a guy that uh, – you know, people should want to come see if you're if you're looking for a reason to to come out and watch Syracuse, and it's a huge game when you think about the this season and the way the schedule breaks out. Um, we've talked about how tough it is for Syracuse, and I think Phil Steele said it was the twelfth toughest schedule in the country. And that stretch when we hit October, um, when there's uh, what four weeks in a row with ranked teams and five out of six against teams that are in the preseason top 25. So, you know, Syracuse has early home games and one road game against UConn. So it's imperative that this team gets off to a fast start. Yeah. And I guess that's uh, with how bad I I feel like we're a broken record sometimes (laughs) of like with how bad the schedule is, there's no two ways about them having to get off on the right foot. And there's just, there's such a limited, in the back end of that schedule, there's such a limited amount of games where they can actually claw things back. So, uh, I don't know. I guess we'll see. We'll see where that lies a, a week or two weeks from Friday, which is and, and we or Saturday. That, Sorry, right? We, me- yeah. we mentioned this, I think, a couple of weeks ago on the podcast. But there's a reason also why Syracuse doesn't usually schedule first week home games. And it's because they're going up against the state fair. And that's the last weekend of the state fair. So there's a lot of people who are going to want to go to the state fair. And so Syracuse has to try and do something to draw people away from the state fair and make the 15, 20-minute drive down 690 to get to the dome. And there's going to be a lot of people who are going to be you know, at the fairgrounds. And I couldn't tell you what they're doing to try and make you do that other than to say buy a pack to get Notre Dame tickets that include Louisville um, in your two or three pack or come out because Syracuse football is back. And 
you know, for the casual person, what is that going to sway them? You, you know, like, I don't know. We've, we've talked about it. I feel like I talk about it a ton and people are sick of it, but what's, you know, shouldn't there be a promotion? Shouldn't there be a giveaway? Like anything to help, you know, convince people. Uh, I don't know if they're going to give freshmen free tickets um, like they've done in the past to try and at least boost the student section. Um, but as far as convincing your local, uh, I'll, I'll go if Syracuse is good um fan to to come out i don't i haven't seen anything that would that would sway that individual at all so well and that's the thing i mean you've got as a syracuse local now you've got two weeks ahead of that of state fair like the fair starting wednesday like do something to push the fan base to go to the fair earlier or do something else and then come to the dome. Like there's plenty of time. It's not like the, the Venn diagram isn't a direct overlap of this game and the state fair. And you have to go on that day, you know, put hell, give people like do some promo to give people free tickets to the state fair for coming to the game. Right. Like order, come to the box office, get your ticket, your, your uh, ticket to the game ahead of time. Like get a, well, actually, you can't even do physical tickets anymore, so I guess that's out. But there's got to be like some a, way to pull it off. Like, it's an 8 p.m. game, so, like... Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. You, 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 know, you could have done something. I'm like, logistically, I don't know how it works behind the scenes-wise, but you could have easily done something that is, like, a two-for-one of, like, fair admission for the day, and then, you know, or, like, even, like, a bus shuttle from, like, the fairground right. to, like, the yep. dome or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Right. At this point, it's like something, anything. It's kind of, and we we go through it every year. You would think there's some again something or anything that they would do, but alas, here we are. I mean, the there's room at Skytop to have a pregame concert. You know, it doesn't have to be a major national act, but no. if that's the argument, you know, oh. coordinate with the fair and whoever's playing the fair afternoon show or even you know something like you could have the person that's at the fairgrounds for the free show in the afternoon come to skytop and play right. for 45 minutes and you know do a couple different things uh, you know in different spots to try and you know get the the folks to come out and make it a little bit more of an event yeah you know I mean, other than just it's a football game even even if you got like local acts to just come and do something to lively up the tailgate scene or the parking lots yeah. or whatever <laughs> anything i mean compared to compared to what any of the like the local acts would get to play uh, any given bar in the area i'm sure as you can afford that great so or that's where your sponsors come in you know? it, yeah that's exactly you, you know that's the, you know your whoever car dealership you're working with whoever is going to be on the quad handing out those free giveaways as you walk from the bus into the dome Heck, JMA Wireless, they put the name on the dome. Let them right. run something, you know? Let them be the, the title sponsor for a pregame concert series or, or whatever it is. It's just, you know, give away some orange T-shirts or towels or, or something, like, and, and do it early enough where it makes a difference to tickets, not just, oh, day of. Like, oh, by the way, when you come to the dome tonight, <laughs> you'll get something. Yeah, I mean, it's just... Uh, you'll get your commemorative dome tin. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you probably will. Yeah, I'm sure there's still uh, plenty sitting around. There's probably. Uh, I'm down to two. We crushed one in my house accidentally, so that's. <laughs> oh, 
I'm sure you'll accidentally find yourself with another dozen before the end of the year. <laughs> they just start popping up and sprouting up everywhere. Oh, God. Yeah, I I mean, there's no good way to segue off that topic, but should should we have something a little happier to talk about? Like, you know, maybe our running back being the 15th best player in the nation? Yeah, I think that's, uh, that's a good maybe. positive. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> So ESPN officially has named Sean Tucker the 15th best player in college football. Um, I can't remember who did the rankings for them, but uh, it's, you know, they they always put out their top 100 list. And to see him, you know, right up there with some of the the big names, especially big names in the ACC, um, too, that we're going to be going up against. I mean, he's the second rated uh, player in the ACC behind Brian Brzee, who... Everybody saw last year as a Clemson D tackle who um, is is very very good. So, so apparently the methodology for that was to ask college football experts: Is this who's better, this player or this player? And they went oh. through that way, and then they rank ordered. And so as they started to get to the list, um, that was it. it um, according to the write up, that's how they did it. Whether that's true or whether that's a little bit of their uh, jokes and garbage department. Right. Um, whether I don't whether know, Bill but... just wrote a list of hundred players he liked. <laughs> I, I mean, they did say it's eleven thousand votes, so it had to be an extensive. Who was better, this player right. or this player? Yeah. No. Yeah, I sort of feel like it was one of those. Here's this drag and drop in order. Yeah. <laughs> Who's better? Um, you know, put in rank order these players, but yeah, like you said, fifteenth and second in the ACC and. Um, ahead of all but one of the Clemson defenders that's in the top 100. Which, there's a lot of Clemson defenders in the top 100. Spoiler alert on this one. (laughs) A lot. When people wonder, like, how is Clemson a top five ranked team when their quarterback was unproven and they lost their two coordinators? Go look at the defensive side of the ball. That's why. (laughs) Yeah, and that, I mean, it's still going to be an uphill battle with, like, putting in a whole new defensive system. But when you have that much talent, it makes it a lot easier. So, when your entire defensive line is considered like among the top 100 players in all of college football, that's a good place to start. Yeah, Tyler Davis is their fourth starting lineman, and he's 63rd. Like he's the, he's the fourth ranked of the four. You've got Brian Brzee and Miles Murphy that are both top 20. So, uh, yeah, fun fun times. So yeah, four, five, six, seven Clemson defenders in the top hundred. Yeah, so something tells me that new defensive scheme is not going to be hard for them to get used to. Yeah. No, when you have right, right when you have those four, you've got it buys you a little time to like let the secondary find themselves. Right. Which is the exact opposite problem Syracuse has. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I I guess. Uh, is anybody is anybody disappointed that uh, Mikel didn't find his way into the bottom side of the top hundred? It's yes and no because I think Syracuse in general, Syracuse fans in general, know what Mike Hill Jones has to offer. But at the same time, like from a from a national standpoint, like he's one of those guys. He's 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 a perfect Zaire Franklin clone of yeah. that guy who does yeah. his job extremely extremely well, but won't get noticed by it based on statistical numbers. Like football guys, in terms of like scouts and coaches, will see 
of what Michael does very well in terms of his leadership, his football IQ and stuff like that. But because uh, he is, he, he probably projects to be uh, another Zaire Franklin type, like we like we saw with Zaire when he was with Cuse. Um, while Syracuse knows he's good, it's just that he doesn't have the national attention because he doesn't get the national numbers, which is fine for Syracuse. Yeah, yeah, and it's... I, I like that analogy a lot, and all signs point to him being a good locker room guy. And it's it's we're gonna know what we're in for. Same thing with Garrett. Same thing with anybody else that's yeah. on the fringe of that. I mean, yeah, I, I don't. Let's go see Garrett and Deuce were the two guys that I think could be at the end of the year. If uh-huh. you know, if you if you've got some better safety depth and yeah. some guys behind them, where you know Syracuse has some leads in some games, and you know teams actually have to throw at them in situations where they know they're throwing you know those guys could make some more plays Garrett Garrett had a little bit of a down year last year I don't think if he had that down year last year I think he could have had a a good case to be in this top 100 list yeah and that's uh, I mean I I think I brought it up in our our round football round table for MVPs which it's funny funny when you think about um uh, what what happened and what we think about uh, the fan base or how the fan base thinks about our jokes and garbage because you look at our uh, standout offensive pick for MVPs none of them <laughs> were what you would think because the actual MVP is a little too obvious so yeah. um, for anyone who didn't read the article this week uh, we had a, a bit of a round table between myself, Michael, and Kevin as to who the MVPs for the 2022-23 season were. And I guess, Christian, we'll get your take on this, too, since yeah. uh, since you were in the roundtable. So, offensive MVP not named Sean Tucker. Who would you go with? So, this is a tough one. I've seen the guys that you've all picked as well. I'm going to go with a guy who's actually not on this list, and it's based on the reports that we've seen so far from camp. I think it's got to be a Rondé Gadsden in June, uh, the second just because he seems like the standout option to be the number one guy. And it feels like with his skill set and the limited stuff that we've seen from him, I think he could be someone who turns out to be very, very important for, for Syracuse. Yeah, I could definitely see that. And I know Mike picked Damian Alford, which, uh-huh. um, you know, the uh, from everything we're seeing is, you know, those two and uh, Cooper. Jackson. Well, or, yeah, uh, yeah. C-Jax and Cooper yeah. have both been getting some run. So, I mean, there's your, if we go four wide, there's your four right there. Yeah. Uh, so I think, yeah, that, that's, it'll that's a good be, shout. It'll be interesting to see how they split that up because both Cooper and Jackson are good options to have in the slot. It's just unfortunate because the amount of times that Syracuse went four wide last year was distressing. So yeah. you, um, I, you want it, you want to go at the very minimum three wide and 11 personnel yeah so so that um and at least vary things up because as i said on the last podcast we had the amount of 10 personnel that was shown from syracuse was a little distressing yeah and the other thing too is knock on wood we have a healthy rhino and right. 10 personnel really uh does not suit uh, Mr. Elmore's strengths to uh, the best of his abilities. So not 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 unless we get that yeah. CFL play. Oh God, <laughs> I still I still want that to happen. And if that happens, we called it first here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, so yeah. Um, uh, for anyone who didn't read the article, uh, Kevin went with Carlos Del Rio Wilson just because we always need a good backup because, well, our QBs always get hurt. So yeah, that's um, you know, if Syracuse is going to get to a bowl game, figure at some point the backup's going to have to come in in yep. some capacity and hold the four. You know, either come into a game that Syracuse is ahead and not screw it up, or, or come into a game and. You know, we saw it in 2018 where Tommy DeVito came off the bench against North Carolina and rallied the team. And, you know, a lot of Syracuse fans seem to forget that that occurred and that he played against Florida State that year. Um, but it happened. And so, you know, if he doesn't come in off the bench and, and rally the team against North Carolina, we don't know exactly where that season goes right. because that puts Syracuse on a losing streak. And, you know, and kind of led to questions about a quarterback battle. And that seemed to kind of get Dungy fired up and then the rest of the year he played pretty well. And so, I mean, yeah, it's, it's a reach. I mean, we all kind of assume it's this team's going to go as far as Sean Tucker can carry them. But, yep. um, you know, Christian mentioned Gadsden and, and Gadsden and Alford, the, the size on the outside is intriguing because now you've got six, five and six, six. Um, and the last and time we had that easier. was Ish and, uh, Custis. Right? Yep. Ish and Custis or Amba Etatawo um, yep. and Custis, like, you know, that you've got some size on the outside, which is going to cause defenses to, to think about how they're going to play those guys. And, you know, if they're going to go man with 5'10 or 5'11 corners, well, you know, you figure that a 6'5 guy should be able to go up and get, get some of those passes and, and convert some of those uh, situations. And, you know, if teams are going to cheat a safety over, then that should leave room for Tucker and, or Cooper and Jackson in the middle of the field. And so it, I'm really curious to see. I know Syracuse has been very guarded about what they're going to do on offense, especially with Louisville coming in, and that's such a first game. But, you know, I'm really curious to see what this offense is going to look like. Yeah. Remember, that, remember the Dante Strickland pass in the Virginia Tech game? That's the first play from scrimmage against Louisville. Yeah. Uh, yeah. With, with yeah. an A, I could see that. <laughs> <laughs> but... Yeah, I, I went with the same, or same concept in that, you know, these past couple of years, we've always needed that sixth lineman. So Enrique Cruz was my my tap just because it seems like in camp, people are really liking him. And by people, I mean Mike Schmidt. And that's the people that matter in this one. <laughs> so um, one thing well, I did want to... Th- oh, while what's we're up? on the offensive uh, players, we should probably talk about... Uh, one of the things that came from camp this week, Kevin and I were talking about it. Yeah, we, we thought the same segue, yeah. 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 Um, because Kevin said Carlos Del Rio Wilson, but it may not be Carlos Del Rio Wilson. That's the number two. Yeah, we had some some big news coming out from, uh, as always, uh, quoted on the show, uh, Stephen Bailey, that, uh, or no, that wasn't, that was D.O. that was, dropped that, wasn't yeah, it? Was, yeah. uh, this was, I think this was from... Uh, uh, Sports Illustrated Syracuse. Essentially. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, we'll just we'll just mention every other outlet because yeah. <laughs> somebody dropped it. Um, yeah. This is our professional podcasting here. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, Justin Lamson seems to be participating in drills? Question mark? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. On field, didn't in drills. So um very limited access to Syracuse camp so like I think as limited as it's been in terms of you're getting very uh targeted a lot of goal line work that people see in a lot of I think this week we start seeing more one-on-one passing drills before it was just routes versus air 
And so if you like watching quarterbacks throw the ball against nobody, uh, that was for you. But we've got some one-on-ones this this week and some goal line situations the, the other weeks. Um, but Lampson back on the field, um, we still don't have any word from anyone about what his injury was. If they expect him to be available to practice this year, potentially play this year. Uh, Chris and I were talking about whether or not we think he'll take the medical red shirt since he's already used his red shirt season. So I don't know. It got intriguing in the quarterback room. It's uh, the last point is the interesting point to hit on because no matter how good Carlos Correa Wilson seems to be right now, it's he's still three months into learning a brand new offensive system. Right. And I get it, everyone's learning a brand new offensive system with an A as the offensive coordinator. But one, those guys, everyone else has had at least. Uh, a bit more time in spring ball to at least learn the system and two he's still got to learn his teammates their strengths and weaknesses and the rest of the guys he's learning and the expectations of the coach in terms of dino babers about what he's expecting as well so as much as his talent might be uh good there's no replacing the experience that lampson already has under the system and based on the system that was shown in the spring game he looks pretty good yeah so, yeah. so if you do need a pinch guy, that's where you maybe sacrifice the medical to be the Tommy DeVito North Carolina guy. It's, if he's good and ready to go, I'd prefer to see Lampson over Del Rio Wilson at this moment right now. Yeah, and that's, again, like you said, that's with not seeing practice, not knowing what we've got. But I, I'm with you on the gut feel on that, where it's, uh, you know... Do, the devil you know versus the devil you don't. And, you know, they at least know him at this point, or Del Rio Wilson more so, so they would probably have a better gauge for it. But uh, I would I would say, yeah, if Lampson's healthy, we uh, we should roll with him. As the two, again, we, we haven't even mentioned the elephant in the room that is, uh, does Garrett Schrader's arm work this year? <laughs> does, does he have the ability to throw pigskin? Right. And, like... I mean, all three of us were at the spring game. We saw warm-ups. We saw him looking mechanically more sound than he has. What that means against air is, you know, about what we can take from it. But, you know, it's it's good to see that Beck and Anae are at least working with him, which is probably good when he's your number one. Yeah. Yeah. So. I mean, he, he says he's more comfortable. Um, the reports from camp is that he's by far the best that Syracuse has and that he does look better. Obviously you take that with a grain of salt from what people have seen with camp. Um, But you know, you've got a new offensive system and you've got some receivers that are starting to emerge. And so it's, it seems like forever ago that we started the year and it was Tommy DeVito and Taj Harris. That was the passing game. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That was 12 months ago, wasn't it? Yeah, and both and of them so, have found their way into the Big Ten. <laughs> yes, they have. So I think you know maybe there was some, and we have no Sterling Gilbert, and and so I think Schrader wasn't good throwing the ball last year, but I don't know that I would put it all on him. And then you hope that the combination of a new coach or new coaches, uh, a better system, some better route design, 
and maybe some receivers that are getting a new opportunity can can elevate the passing game. And I mean, Syracuse is going to have to throw the ball at some point because yeah. teams are going to gang up. You know, they're going to load up to stop Sean Tucker and, and make yeah. And I mentioned this in the last podcast also, Bears mentioning, because it's going to be an important point to, to bring up, is that Tucker has come out and said that the plan is to have more passing in the offense than him getting the ball 30 times a game. So Yeah. Now, I wouldn't mind him still getting the ball 30 times a game as long as some of them are passing and hitting him in space. Yes. And just changing looks and varying things up so they can't just stack the box yeah. and... I, it's it's distressing when the only time Tucker is catching a pass when he's on checkdown screens in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Frightening. But uh, if past is precedent, I believe the flats will be his friend moving forward. Yeah. So, I guess... And speaking of uh, things emerging from camp, though, while we're talking about Sean Tucker and him getting the ball a lot, it looks like LaQuint Allen has emerged as the number two behind Tucker. Yep. Um, and... Friday, Friday's practice, he made two Hail Mary catches in a two-minute drill yeah. uh, when the media was there. Um, one that they shared a photo of him going up over backup linebacker Austin Rune to high point a ball. And so I know that Tucker is the MVP, he's the best player this team has. But if Syracuse has one or maybe two guys that can help him carry the load this year to give him a little bit of a breather, you know, hopefully the that's you know coming in the middle of long drives, you know maybe in the second quarter or the third quarter, so that he can be fresh at the end of the game when you're when you're looking to put things away. Um, but it'll be interesting to see if Syracuse is using not just Tucker in the passing game, but their running backs and their tight ends. What are those? We have tight ends. You know those guys that stand on the end of the line and they're not as big as the linemen and they block. Oh, the junior linemen got do. it. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. So, Lineman Jr. Max Mang may be catching passes this year, uh, and hopefully between him and Stephen Mahar, we can get some people on the field that can, you know, not make everything completely telegraphed and utilize that position like it should be. That'd be nice. It'd be nice. But, yeah, I don't know. Um, Andy's our segue guy, but it's about halftime. Um, it, it may be a little past halftime, but before we get to the defense and special teams talk, uh, I would say we should probably shout out uh, Home Field Apparel, who is the purveyor of vintage college apparel that you probably want to buy because it's pretty pretty nice. Um, is, is that a Home Field uh, Wisconsin shirt? It is a Home Field uh, a mystery box. Ah, we got a mystery yes. box guy. Very nice. Hey, I'm a mystery box guy, yep. Um, Homefield actually is going to be branching out into a deal with the Colts. They're dropping an Indianapolis Colts collection soon. Wow. Um, they've ended Big New Saturday um, after Penn State set the record. I guess they figured, well, <laughs> we had to shut this down. So. <laughs> um, so it's exciting. So if you're not just a college football fan, keep an eye out because it looks like our home field is, is branching out. Was, but yes, I definitely recommend the mystery boxes. So you you said Penn State, but didn't they launch, you know, Ohio the State University? Ohio State. Yeah. I I actually held myself back from saying the Ohio State, although uh, my my buddy who's a, a fan of both squads would probably um, I'll be getting mean texts when he listens to this. Uh, There's a side side note: Ohio State trademark the for yes. for for use on apparel. Huh. Well then. I'm sure that's going to hold up in court. Um, 
But you know what else will hold up in court? Your ability to get 10% off by using the code NUNES at homefieldapparel.com, N-U-N-E-S, at checkout. Mm-hmm. Don't know how I pulled that one back around, but we're going <laughs> to go with it. Um, yeah, so I guess back to the defense. Since uh, since we're tracking down this defensive MVP thing, uh, what do you think? What do you think, Christian? It's tough. Um, like we t- we took the I, obvious ones. So. We, took, we, yeah. we took the obvious ones. Um, I do want to be like I do want to be innovative and like choose a different guy. And that's why I'm going to choose Marlo Wax because I think there's going to be a lot of uh, there's going to be a lot of attention, of course, uh, paid to Michael. There's a lot. Um, he's going to be the big guy, and that's going to give opportunities for Wax and Thompson to be the edge rushers that Syracuse needs to be. Um, that Syracuse basically needs because uh, Caleb Okachukwu can't do it all by himself as really the only quote-unquote experienced defensive lineman. Right. So there's got to be well, some other help needed in the, in the pass rushing game. St- Steve Linton can't do it while weighing as much as, you know, uh, DB wow. soaking wet with a cinder block wow. tied to his legs. While weighing, while weighing as much as Marek Dolshan. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> wow. It was that pre or post well, pizza. It that way. <laughs> But uh, uh, yeah, yes. I, I I would have accepted Marlo Wax or Stefan Thompson because you yeah, when I, I, when you said the big linebacker, I was thinking <laughs> you you described Mikel as the big linebacker, but Stefan Thompson put yeah. on some pounds. Yeah, so yeah. Stefan Thompson put on some pounds. But the reason why I say Marlo instead of Stefan is because Stefan as the Sam will probably face a lot of attention from yep. the ACC tight ends, and uh, Marlo as the Will should have. Some pretty clean edge rushing opportunities, right. and he'll he'll mainly be coming from the blind side, yeah. which will be very very interesting. Because and he and he showed some great great rushes um, over the past couple of years. So I'm very excited to see what he does this year. I'll be curious how how we see the backers line up with the respective D line as well, because mm-hmm. I would assume you see a lot of uh, like Stefan and Steve Linton doing a lot of twisting and a lot of like yeah. varied stunts cool. in there, just I because of he can pound inside of that size. It needs to. It needs to be. Yeah. Because I think you need to have Thompson's size to counteract Linton's size. Right. And it almost like it almost becomes Thompson as the D lineman and Linton as the linebacker edge rusher. Right. So. Just based on the weight that both guys have. Yeah. Yeah. That's. It, I don't know when that when that depth chart. You're, well, we haven't seen a depth chart yet, but when that came out, uh, when the roster came out with the weights on it, it was like, oh, okay. He's who's listed as where? Okay. okay. All right, so, guys. I'm so excited for Monday now. To, for next Monday to yeah. look at this depth chart. That'll right. that'll be one of my happiest preseason articles to write. <laughs> Are you sure Just, it's gonna be happy though? <laughs> it's it'll be a thing. It, it's more like answering questions. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, I think we have in certain positions it'll be happy because I think cornerback it's a lot happier what what's behind Garrett and Deuce this year than than what we've had in years past. Well, Very true. Well, yeah, well, <laughs> I would say safety as well. I mean, we got right. some of those transfers safe. in gave us some depth. Mm-hmm. But that'll that'll be the most interesting thing. I think that's that's still the big unknown, and we've seen it in camp. They're still playing around with which safety group that they want out there. Yeah, I know we saw it seems like Elijah Clark is the consistent uh, that we've seen yeah. through um early in camp we saw Hannah and um well Carter of course and then he went down but um who else did we see at the the road that was surprising and, us Simmons, Simmons and Barron. Yeah, Simmons has been knocked up though. I think his armor's yep. in the yeah. swing, so so he may not be available for 
it seemed like Friday Baron was switching in. Yep. Um, so Baron was coming in, I think, in certain the spots yeah. to play. The last report that I saw was Clark, uh, Baron, and Carter. Mm. Which, good to see Carter back after that uh, apparently yeah. scary drop yeah. last Monday yeah. or so. So yeah. good to see he's back up at full strength and, and going. Um, one thing I'm surprised about in the secondary that we haven't heard more about is Eric Coley. Yeah, I was just going to mention him. He's the the senior guy back there, and he's getting very – there's very little word on what he's doing. So And former starter. So yeah. Right. Well, Coley was another one of those – he's another one of those guys – who doesn't do it at the same level as Michael, but he's one of those guys who does his job well, just doesn't put up the numbers yeah. because he's one of those guys who really, he's one of those guys where it's like, it's good that you don't hear about him because yeah. people just aren't, sure. people are just aren't targeting him. Right. And that's, well, and that's, I, I'm curious. I know like in the, the defensive MVP selections, Kevin went with Jones because, you know, Jones. Yeah. Uh, Mike went with Garrett because, well, Garrett. Oh, and I went with Deuce because, well, Deuce. Well, but also <laughs> the fact that when like, when you have Garrett and Deuce, no matter how talented both of them are, Deuce is probably getting more targets just because. like He's a, yeah. maybe a half step below Garrett and they have to choose to throw to somebody. <laughs> like, sure. So whoever, whoever is that second corner, they're they're really like you can lock down one side, but then the other side's still got somebody that needs to get uh, get covered up. So um, that or you know the entire safety crew could be our our, our pass MVP uh, or needed yeah. to be our pass MVP. Yeah, you know I'm curious. We talk about like the offense. Not sure how they're going to use like the receiver group, but I'm curious how we use the secondary in obvious passing situations because last year we tended to go zone and third and long and get killed but yeah. this year you've got isaiah johnson and jeremiah wilson at the backup corners and mm. johnson's six three he's the dartmouth transfer so he's experienced will syracuse will tony white use him to play more man coverage on third and long yeah. and not sit in those soft <laughs> zones well you know will they move garrett or deuce around if you know you're facing at perry for a week or Zay Flowers in BC and not let those guys get onto safeties. You know, it's hard to tell. Like that's for me, like that's one of those, like the game inside the game. Right. You know, you've got some depth now. Do you, do you dare, you know, cause in the past couple of years, we've seen opposing coaches realize like, Oh, these guys on the outside are really good. Oh, but if we move our receiver inside into the slot, we can take advantage of safeties. And, um, you know, can will Syracuse adjust, or will guys like Clark and Oliver, who seem like they could be coverage, better coverage guys than some of the safeties we've had in the past, will they will they get an opportunity to, to kind of play some more man? So two things there. One, not to sound like a basketball guy um, from last year as well, but I forgot how bad Syracuse's own defense was. Um, <laughs> and then two, um, to your point there with Clark, that could be very interesting as well, because like you said, you know, the big wide receivers going to a slot was a great way for opposing OCs to counteract Syracuse's uh, cornerbacks. But you got to remember with Clark also, his natural position is cornerback. Right. And he's just so talented that I, I figured this would be a point, even though Clark is a little bit undersized for safety, I figured that Syracuse would be in a position of 
he's too good to not have on the field, so they would find a way to get him on said field. Right. And I think that's where we're in the position we're right now, where while he probably doesn't have the body type uh, specifically to be a natural safety, his abilities outweigh that fact. That's kind of like having Marek at, not to bring up Dolja again, but it's mm -hmm. kind of like having Marek at the five where he's too good to not have on the field, even though his body doesn't prototypically uh, fit into the spot that he's on the field. Yeah, and I'm a big proponent of it's okay to go outside the box to get your best players on the field in some capacity, you know. And you might sacrifice a little bit in one area, but uh, you, you don't want to keep giving up third and 20 completions because the other team puts a, an NFL wide receiver on one of your linebackers down the middle of the field or your backup safety. And you just kind of look and say, well, gee, you know, what else can we do? No, put a guy out there that can cover and, and give it a shot. And, you know, so I'm curious to watch that too this year and see how Tony White decides to deploy now that he's got a little bit more depth and talent back there. Same yeah. Be set up front though. Lol. Uh, the young pups, I, as Dino calls them. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing, though, is if they... Nobody but the staff is going to know whether they targeted and missed people on the D-line or if they actually, like, if Acuff and White were actually comfortable with what was in the in the room. You know, I'm sure they whiffed on a couple of guys, but whether they opted to not go harder... The the, the Albany trans... Jared yeah. Versus. Right. Jared Verse. Like, you know, Jared Verse, that's a big miss. Yeah. So, but beyond that, you know, did they did they swing for the fences and just strike out? Or did they not just want to settle for someone middle of the pack to fill the room out when they already had what they thought was talent? So, no way to find that out until we hit the field, as always. Um, uh, also, shout out to uh, the guys that are bouncing things around in the chat. Uh, good to see some interaction there. <laughs> Uh, let us know if there's anything you want us to touch on for the next uh, couple of minutes here. Um, but I think we're going to have to move on to special teams MVPs. Uh, we were all over the place on this one. Uh, I, I went with the obvious of Schmidt happening. Um, so, Christian, thoughts? I'm surprised none of you guys picked Trevor Pena. Mm. Because that, like, he, showed some, he showed some great returns last year. Uh, a, couple, a couple of times last year. You know, he had that... Uh, kick return touchdown at the end of 2020. He had that big, long touchdown against Clemson in the slot. And now that... I, I think he was I think he was green-jerseyed in, in, this, in the spring. I don't remember if he was or not. But he seems to be fully healthy. And I think uh, Syracuse has, has been looking for something from the return game. And I think yeah. Trevor Pena could really help there. I was actually this close to picking uh, Aaron Bolinski just because I'm a sucker for a long snapper, but um, or or you know give I think Mike Midkiff's actually well it might have changed last year he was the holder so it's like you know he's a long snapper and a holder so yeah. also side note we brought we saw this in one of the scrimmage footage scrimmage photos. Justin Barron might Justin be Justin Barron. Yeah, yeah. That's that's why I specified last year he was the holder. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of a lot of shakeups, and Ligashevsky seems to be making moves and doing things. So that's good to see. Um, Didn't Cooper Lutz hold a couple years ago? Yeah, bit? I think so. He here did. and there. Yeah. So 
Yeah, it, it could be one of those situations where good hands. And they might I, not feel comfortable with the the punters. Right. Right. Uh, all all seventeen punters that we have on the roster right now. Yeah, we have so many punters. <sighs> we have, well, we're carrying four long snappers too. So we are four long snappers, four punters, three, four punters, three kickers. Special teams, you kickers. man. Special teams, you. <laughs> So, and that's the that's the one job we haven't heard anything about. So, Punter? I have a I have a piece that's going up tomorrow talking about some of our unanswered questions so far. Mm. Punter, yeah, who's going to punt? Yeah, who's going to punt is is unanswered. So, um, but you would hope that with the with the depth of talent, that coverage units would be better. You know, you talk about guys like we talked about Elijah Clark and Braylon Oliver, but some of the DBs. Um, you know, and a way to get some of those guys on the field. Also, not have your starters on every coverage unit. Yeah, um, could be helpful. And well, before that's he, before he got hurt in camp. You know, Isaiah Jones was looking pretty good in camp, and he was mainly yep. a special teams guy last year, and he did pretty well on special teams. So, and did uh, did he go down I, down? I, he's I don't, back. I don't he, a little yeah, bit. I don't think he's down down. Yeah, okay. I think he is back. Yeah. Uh, but in the the one guy who I thought I almost picked is Dom Foster, who mm. started at DB. Yeah. Didn't look good in the spring game at corner, but asked the coaches to switch him back to wide receiver. Just kind of one of those like really athletic guys that could find a place on special teams early on. Yeah, um, you know, was really dynamic in high school with the ball in his hands, and so could give some uh, you know coaches an option. I thought maybe Allen, but if Allen's the backup running back, you might not see him returning kicks. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting that Syracuse finally seems like they've got some choices and some options yeah. and that if the starters are down for whatever reason, that they're not just going to stick someone back there to fair catch everything. So I guess that finally brings us to the Riley Dixon, the aforementioned Riley Dixon, you, the real MVP award, which, um, after this year, uh, posthumously maybe uh, renamed, renamed or yeah. at least or at least uh, slashed with the um, Chris Elmore who the real you're you the real MVP award um, two of us took the Rhino Christian where are you heading um, the I will also take Chris Elmore but for the sake of being different I'll pick a different name um, I'll pick a different person and it's not going to. Uh, and the reason why I changed that is because we actually don't know who this person's going to be yet. But I'm going to choose. It's not what Mike put. It's okay. not the <laughs> I'm going to. I'm going to choose whoever the rover is, mm. and because mm. that is going to be a very, very key and important figure as to the success of Syracuse's defense. Because that's really the linchpin of the three-three-five. Um, the rover has to be one of the most versatile players in the three-three-five, and. We saw how well that worked with Andre Sisco now, in a limited time that we got to see Andre Sisco at the rover. So if you find a rover who can stick there as the rover, I think that's going to be a person that Syracuse fans love watching. Yeah. The leaning candidate, I think, and the person I would like to see there, and I think it would be really good there, is the aforementioned Justin Barrett. Yeah, and I think we've been waiting for him to to have his moment for a couple of years now. Um, I, I, as weird as it sounds, I think some of the 
some of the moves we've seen out of out of that position are because he came on strong when he did um, transfers out and whatnot. So we'll see if he can actually line up to uh, to or I guess meet up to expectations if he does get the tap on that. And he looked fine in last year's. Uh, and remember, he he came to Syracuse intending to just play wide receiver. Yeah. Right. Yep. yep. You but know. He, but I know I know uh, coaches were trying to dis- the coaches were trying to decide what side of the ball he would be better on. He did mention that, um, like when he was when he first committed to Syracuse. I remember he first he uh, one of because I didn't get to know when he first committed to Syracuse. Uh, I remember one of the first things he he said was, "Yeah, the coaches are try, still trying to figure out what position they want me to play at." Mm. And uh, we eventually got there. Yeah, right. you know, it's it's a circuitous route. It's fine. Yeah. So, no, I think I think that about wraps it up for what we had this week for football talk. Um, I don't know if anybody had any should, anything we else. Should touch on, we should touch on one thing that Kevin and I participated in that's not football talk related. But it was basketball talk related. Oh, yeah, that was this week that you guys did that, right? It was this week. Uh, we did a roundtable with James on who we yeah. think our starting five would be for the Syracuse men's basketball team. That got some nice discussion on the website. Uh, before yeah, oh, come on. Basketball roster talk <laughs> never gets good discussion. <laughs> in some years, no. In this year, it does. So where do you think I, we're I, going? Well, I, I'm curious to hear from you, Steve, who you think the starting five is going to be. Jesus, I haven't even thought. <laughs> <laughs> Put him on the spot. Uh, I, at this point, Point, my brain doesn't even recognize who came back. You know Gerard's starting. Yes. Do, there are two locks. Do they go... Yeah, Gerard and Edwards are um, in pen. Yes. Do do they go young with Mince or do they go with Torrance? I would err on the Jim Beheim going with Torrance um, and worst case getting the five-minute Fab Mello hook. Um, that's... No, that's <laughs> You have to go recent times. That's the two-minute day one Coleman hook. Oh, yeah. There you go. <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> t- as always, dating myself. Uh, the uh, I'd say Benny's got to be the three, right? You would, One yeah. would think. Yeah. Um, and then who plays the four? I don't even know who our options are at this yeah. point. It's well, like we'll, we'll take the pressure off of you there. Yeah. Most, we, we pretty much went with Chris Bunch. Okay. The, yeah, I can see the, that. That's the best guy. But that is the question. Is it Torrance or is it Mintz? I went for Torrance and Kevin went with Mintz. And I think I think at the beginning of the season, at the at least at the beginning of the season, I think Beheim starts with Torrance, but I can but I do see a world where and I think it's very possible more than fifty percent that we do the Gerard switch that happened in twenty nineteen, where Gerard eventually became a starting point guard. I think that eventually happens with Mintz as well as soon as he gets a couple of minutes under his belt. But gotcha. I think at least at the beginning of the season, it's Torrance. And I went with Mintz just because without him on the floor, the only proven offensive guy you have is Gerard. And I think Gerard could actually bring the ball up a lot in that situation. Um, and then it might just bring the ball up and pass it to Mintz and then you know run off screens. But I think... You know, obviously a lot can happen over the summer, but Torrance was three for eight from three on this season. 
And a lot of people remember that game he had against Duke in the ACC tournament, which was very good. But that doesn't take away from the rest of the season where he was he was good at kind of getting the team into the offense and, and running the point, but not a threat to shoot. And Benny Williams is not a threat to shoot. And Jesse Edwards isn't a threat to shoot, we think, unless Jim gives him the green light. Um, and who knows? I don't know what the freshman will bring, Bunch or, or Taylor or Malik Brown, and, and whether or not they'll they'll be able to open up the floor. And I think in today's game, if you only have one shooter on the floor, then that shooter is going to have a hard time getting open. And uh, I don't know about you, but uh, I don't know that Joe Girard taking 30-foot shots because that's the only open look he can get for three as a, as a recipe for success on the year. But, I, you know, it could go – it's going to be to- a toss-up, and it would be very curious to see how that starts when they start the exhibition season. Um, this is one of those years where you don't have a good five. I mean, we we think that there's two solid, yeah. maybe three with Benny Williams, and um, there's a lot of a lot of uncertainty with what's going to happen for that that team. There, because there there is a world like there is a world also where Taylor starts at the three. <laughs> yeah, there is. There's a world. There's a world where Taylor could be a two. Um, it's a stretch, but John Rothstein started this whole discussion because he said it would be Torrance, Mintz, and Gerard, and it would be a three-guard lineup. Yeah. And that was what and Jim Beheim shot Benny at the out. four and... Benny at the four with Jesse. Four, and so, five, yeah. Yeah. so are we and Villanova so, or like J- I, I classic mean, J. Wright Villanova? <laughs> well, I mean, Miami played four guards for a good portion of last yeah, season. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, it wouldn't be usual. I forget how tall Mintz is. I think he's 6'3", and Torrance is 6'4". I mean, it's not out of the right. ordinary that a college basketball team would have a 6'4 small forward um, you know so Do they, that, yeah. that's but that's also not playing a zone where you need some wingspan on that back line right that would be playing man and you know Jim Beheim hinted at it but he kind of hints at that every year so we'll believe it when we see it okay, you and I you and I both lived through the Jim Beheim man era but it's been yeah. a long time since that's reared its head Yes, it has. So Taylor is six six, so that's not bad size. Yeah, there, there's a there's a lot of wings on the team, so it'll be interesting to see how they match up. And um, they're definitely more athletic this year. I don't know uh, half court offense is going to be interesting. Uh, be curious if they run the offense through Jesse in the post a little bit more. Mm. Um, I mean, he shot seventy percent from the field last year. You'd think you might want to. Get him some touches, but uh, hey, what do, what do I know? Um, but uh, we'll see. Hey, it's very, very, very interesting to see if they run and press and try to generate offense off the defense um, rather than you know strictly play the the zone and focus on scoring in the half court. So it's going to be quite a difference from last year's team. Yep, change is the only constant, man. Change is the only constant. Yep. So. Well, does that take us to take us to where we needed to be? I think yeah, um, next week, if you guys want to tune in, we'll be back with our full football preview um, on the site this week. I know I'm getting soccer up. Uh, we're going to have a couple other Olympic sport previews, and we'll be in full blown um, full blown football preview mode coming up soon. I should also have my Fat Man preview uh, with the inaugural from from the trenches for uh, 2022. So we'll see we'll see what's up. I don't want to cite this week we're doing uh, 
the why Syracuse finishes this record. Yeah, oh, so. yeah. Yep. So, yep. So you can be always well received. Always. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. The, the nobody reads the disclaimer we literally put at the top of every post on these uh, things. So they just see the headline and go to the comments. I've added a couple of disclaimers in my first one tomorrow, so we'll see, <laughs> we'll see if two or three disclaimers help. I'm I'm but, just glad that you're taking over the disloyal idiot moniker. Like you know, somebody somebody's got to be that you know three and three and nine uh, guy. Once we, once we get to record predictions, you will that'll be me. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. Well, so. we try to have some fun with it. Uh, I think people will be yelling at me for how I get to my three and nine, but. <laughs> Hey, it's always a ride, man. It's always a ride. It's always a ride, yep. So, all right. Well, appreciate anybody who was uh, with us today on Twitch. Uh, thanks for swinging by. Feel free to follow us um, down below or below where you're seeing our faces, I guess. Um, and, uh, yeah, like, subscribe on your podcatcher of choice. We're, we're all over the place if you see us on the site tomorrow. Thanks for reading. And uh, go Orange. Go Orange. Go Orange.